Welcome back to Good News in Tough Times. I want to begin with a question. Since we're talking about tough times, have you had a uh, really difficult day this week? Or have you had a really difficult week this month? Have you had a really difficult month this year? I think we're going to look back at this time, we're going to remember this time, and we're going to uh, look back in a way that uh, we'll see some things that were good when we look back on it, and we'll remember some times that were very difficult when we look back on it. And that's kind of what this series is all about, uh, looking at good things that do take place because God is still on his throne, he's still in control, and he is leading the way. And so let's take a look at good news in tough times. Today's topic is when uncertainty assaults you. So we talked about having a bad day or having a bad week or a bad month. We're gonna be looking at someone in Genesis by the name of Joseph. I know there are multiple Josephs in the Bible. This Joseph in Genesis, you can track his story. It's a large passage of scripture from Genesis chapter 37 all the way through chapter 50. And we're gonna be covering all of that today. So uh, you might be praying that uh, I can tell this story well and get through all of that material in a way that works for us today. Joseph had many years of tough times that assaulted his sense of certainty. And nobody wishes to be in a life that's like Joseph's. And yet we see God doing an amazing thing through Joseph's life. So I'm hoping that today will be a day that we kind of have an attitude adjustment as we learn uh, some things that Joseph learned in the difficulty of those years. And we're gonna jump right into uh, our focus for today. Our focus for today is our attitude in negative situations is tied directly to our faith. And we're gonna see Joseph have an amazing attitude. It's not coming across with verbiage as much as with actions and how he deals with things and what takes place. It's, it's rather remarkable. So let's see if that would encourage us today. A little bit about Joseph before we jump into Genesis 37. Joseph was... Uh, the son of Jacob, the, the third patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all receiving the great promises to become a great nation. And Joseph has uh, 10 older brothers and one younger brother. He also has a sister. And perhaps he is a part of the most dysfunctional family you've ever heard about or read about. And I love how the Bible just tells it like it is and tells about how this patriarch is a part of a very dysfunctional family. If you wanna pick up some of those themes, you're gonna have to pick up the story in Genesis earlier, say around chapter 29. But as we jump into chapter 37, Joseph is a very sad um, boy now teenager, 17 years old. And where we pick up his sadness is the fact that his mother has died. His mother has died when delivering his younger brother. And his mother was Rachel, his father's favorite wife. I know that sounds uh, funny to say, but he had uh, two wives and multiple concubines, uh, the servants of these wives that wanted him to have children because there was this uh, 
competition between them to have the greatest blessing. And so this dysfunction just continues forward even after the death of Rachel, whom Jacob loved so much, as he begins to favor Joseph. And when he favors Joseph, he gives Joseph a very special coat. Uh, it's a many-colored coat with long sleeves. It's different than the other normal coats. And he just is, he's, I believe he sees his own wife's face in Joseph's face. And Joseph is treated with favoritism, which is never recommended in a family. And it creates a huge amount of strife in this already dysfunctional family. And all 10 older brothers are griping and groaning and frustrated at the treatment of Joseph in this special way. Things get um, a little bit worse than it already is when Joseph um, is trying to please his father and gives his father some reports on some bad incidences of his other brothers. Never a good idea there. And then, to make matters worse, he has a dream. And this dream excites Joseph. It, It encourages him as he's experienced all this sadness and dysfunction. And he over breakfast, I imagine, grabbing a barley cake, putting some honey on it, begins to tell about this dream to his brothers. I had this dream, we were in this field, and we were stacking up our, uh, our bundled, uh, bundles of grain, and my bundled grain was standing up, and each of your bundled grain, and he stops to take a bite of the barley cake, I imagine, and, and the brothers have totally want to know and what your bundled grain stood up and ours what and and then finally Joseph says and your grain bundles bowed down to my grain bundle and then they're already frustrated and angry they just begin to shred and rip into this brother of theirs that so you think you're going to rule over us you think you're going to be a king someday or what what is this dream and why are you telling us about this and so the tension grows To make matters worse, uh, Joseph has another dream. It's pretty soon thereafter, and he says this one too. Now, you have to give the guy a little break because when you have these kind of dreams, and Joseph is convinced that these dreams are not just weird dreams because you ate something bad and it's just a strange one. He's convinced that these dreams are coming from God. Who do you process something like this with? And so he's processing with his family. What do you think of this? And he's processing this dream with his family. Again, the second dream, it's not bundles of grain. The second dream is the sun and the moon and 11 stars. And he's telling the story. And this time his father is listening. And the the stars are bowing to him. And the sun and moon is bowing to him. And it becomes clear and it's similar to the other dream. And so this time his father is frustrated with him. So you, you're now saying that your, your mother, which would have been his mother-in-law, and I are gonna bow to you, and your brothers are all gonna bow to you? What do you think that means? That you're gonna rule over us someday? And yet the scripture tells us his father, although frustrated by Joseph's telling these dreams, kinda holds them in his heart and re- just kinda holds on to them. And it alerts the reader that these are not just weird dreams in a dysfunctional family. 
Days later, weeks later, I'm not sure, uh, Jacob sends Joseph on an errand. His brothers have all taken flocks of sheep to Shechem. They were in the Hebron Valley. Shechem is 62 miles away, and they're taking care of these flocks. You need to understand that uh, Jacob and their family are very wealthy with lots of flocks, and he's worried about his boys and sends Joseph to go check on them and bring back a report because they've been gone so long. So imagine being 17, you're going to go on a trek that's 62 miles long to check on um, your brothers, and then you're going to return with a report. I think uh, Joseph is honored by the request. He says yes, and he begins to walk, I believe. It doesn't say anything about riding anything, but he's on a long journey. And he gets to Shechem and still can't find his brothers and he's wandering around a field and somebody says, what are you looking for? And he asks, have you seen my brothers and their flocks? They were supposed to be in this area and he said that he had overheard them talking about going to Dothan, which was be another uh, lengthy travel of about 12 more miles and he has to make a decision whether he's gonna return or whether he's gonna continue. He decides to continue and then his uh, multicolored coat gives him away at a long distance from uh, the arrival in Dothan where his brothers were. Long before he can tell that his brothers are his brothers, they can tell that he is Joseph and he's coming their direction. Look at this, dream expert is coming our direction. And they are so angry and bitter that uh, sin is growing inside of them and one of them suggests that we can take care of this dream. We can be sure that nothing like that dream will come true if we just get rid of them, kill them, throw them in this uh, pit here in the wilderness, and who would ever know? We can hang on to his coat and smear it with blood and just be done with Joseph. Reuben, the oldest brother, pipes up and said, no, 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 we don't want blood on our hands. Let's, let's just put him in the pit. Don't try to kill him. And he had a plan in his mind that if you just put him in the pit, um, maybe he was going to come back and rescue him the next, next uh, or that evening or whatever and, and try to protect him and send him home. Well, it didn't work out that way. God had other plans. Uh, while they're eating dinner, and it's just odd to me that such a callous maneuver to put him in a pit, to leave him to die, they're able to just eat as if nothing is happening. And uh, during dinner, they see a merchant caravan of Midianite uh, merchants heading towards Egypt on this trade route. And one of them, Judah, this time says, hey, instead of killing him, what if we just sell him off? That'll take care of it also. Reuben isn't there at the time. And so they make a deal and they sell off Joseph. They keep back his coat. They're gonna still smear his coat with blood and tell a lie to their dad about what they found this coat and they sell off Joseph as if he's nothing but a, a piece of property, not a person and sell him off for 20 pieces of silver. Can you imagine uh, going through this series of events? Your brothers hate you. They hate you enough to kill you. They sell you off and now you're being brought to Egypt to be sold as a slave and what's going on inside of your heart. So when you have a bad day 
this week. Think about Joseph. But as you think about Joseph, we're gonna take a look at how all of this difficulty hits him in a completely different manner than you'd expect and how he deals with it is different than you would expect and we need to figure out why and how this all happens. Now Reuben, of course, finds out too late to rescue Joseph and now their, their only recourse is to carry out their plan. They send the coat with blood, a goat's blood all over it, saying they found this coat. Is this Joseph's coat? Totally a lie that destroys their father who's got a broken heart from this point forward in his old age. He's lost his, his wife. He's lost his son. He's just broken hearted. All of that takes place in chapter 37. We come to chapter 39, and we're going to cover chapter 39 through 50 rather rapidly, but now we're at the place where you're ready to write down point number one if you are taking notes. Point number one is this. We all face difficulties in life. Nobody wants a life of uh, Joseph. Nobody wants their life to be so destroyed that first you're thrown into a pit and left to die. They were gonna kill you, but then they're thinking they'll just let the pit do it. Then they pull you out and sell you off to slavery. And then literally you're auctioned off as a slave and your whole life is ruined. Nobody wants that kind of life. And Joseph can't see where this is going yet. And yet he continues to do well. And... That's what we need to take a look at. We all face difficulties in life. Now, some people are naive enough to think that if you're a follower of God and you're a believer of God and you're doing right, then God is gonna make life easy and you're not gonna face difficulties. If that's your viewpoint, I would suggest reading the Bible again. (laughs) Because nobody that's following God experiences an easy life. Everybody experiences difficulty, but especially followers of God, they have challenges in following God that are quite difficult all throughout the Bible and Joseph is no exception. The question is, will we face these difficulties on our own or will we face these difficulties with faith and trust God through these difficulties? And we are looking to Joseph to kind of show us the way. So our focus, remember, was that our attitude in negative situations is tied directly to our faith. So let's take a look at that. Point number two, God accompanies us through every trial. In chapter 39, he's auctioned off to a uh, rather wealthy leader by the name of Potiphar, and Joseph is growing, and he's strong, and he, he uh, is rising in Potiphar's household. We read verse two, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Now, even as a slave, he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. So even though Joseph was sold as a slave, 
He's doing well, he works honestly, he works hard, he gains a trust of his slave master, so much so, and the slave master sees that his faith is the reason for his honesty, his faith is the reason for um, him doing so well, and that his God is putting favor on him, he's doing so well with everything he puts his hand to, I'm gonna entrust him with my assets, entrust him with my house. And that goes really well for a time, until there's another lie that brings all kinds of trouble. Joseph was apparently an attractive, uh, strong, (laughs) uh, growing young man that uh, Potiphar's wife was attracted to. And Potiphar's wife attempts to seduce Joseph. Joseph refuses, does the right thing, and flees the scene. And Potiphar's wife, who's spurned by that decision, now lies and accuses uh, Joseph of doing wrong before Potiphar. Potiphar believes his wife and is angry and feels betrayed and throws Joseph into a dungeon, an Egyptian dungeon. And so here we have him doing well and it goes badly for Joseph. And you wonder, what kind of favor is that from God? And yet God continues to teach Joseph and Joseph continues to do well. Even this time in prison. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what is going on here? How is it that Joseph doesn't turn his back on God, continues to have a good attitude, continues to, because of his faith in God, work honestly, work hard, and work well with the people that are above him slave owner, and now prison warden, and that's where we are in this story. So in Genesis, well, first of all, to reflect. When life is in the pits, we can think of the pit he was thrown into by his brothers, and now the pit he's thrown into in the dungeon, and he has to be thinking about both situations. When life is in the pits, can you still be in God's favor? And I believe Joseph believes, yes, you can. How is it that he believes this? He's still, in my opinion, hanging on to these life-shaping dreams that he was convinced came from God. He doesn't know how it's gonna work out, but he is convinced that if he'll continue to love and serve God, that somehow God is gonna bring him through to a better part in his story, that God is faithful and he can continue to trust God even though everything around him is filled with difficulty. Doesn't that speak something to us in our bad day last week or our bad week last month or our bad month this year? God will carry us through. He'll take us through it, but the question is, are we gonna do it on our own? and in our own way, or are we gonna follow God and trust him and honor him in the little things and the things that we put our mind and heart to? Genesis 39, 20 through 23, we read this. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. So the readers are receiving the cues the clues that God hasn't abandoned him, 
And I believe that that's where Joseph believes too, that God has not abandoned him, that he's hanging on, he's still trusting God. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So every time he receives favor from somebody because of his God and his trust, he sees that God is still with him. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Do You see a pattern here? Joseph is being developed for a future success that he needs some equipment for and he's learned how to manage a household well, now he's learning how to manage a whole prison well and he's still looking to God for all of his guidance and trust as he's doing the right thing step after step in the middle of these huge life difficulties. So it's really significant to me what we do not read in the story of Joseph. Most of the biblical stories of all of the key characters are just painted with warts and all. And we see a little of this in Joseph's young life, but all through these difficulties, we're not seeing any of the warts. We're not seeing any of the sin. We're not hearing Joseph complain. We're not hearing Joseph grumble. We're not hearing Joseph question God. We're seeing Joseph faithfully following God and honoring God throughout a very difficult, life-altering, long period of time. Joseph, by the way, lives to be 110 years old. 93 of his years are lived in Egypt, only 17 years with his family outside of Egypt. He's 40-ish by the time he's here at this scene at the beginning of his imprisonment here. He's already had many years of trial and difficulty, and he's not seeing where this is going yet. He's not seeing how it's gonna all come together. He has a hope that someday God is gonna vindicate him and he remembers those dreams. So if you haven't thought through our focus yet, I've made the focus point number three and you can write it down if you write down notes. Our focus again and this time point number three, our attitude in difficult times is directly tied to our faith in God. So when we had a bad day this last week, how was our attitude about that day tied to our faith in God and how we're responding? Do you catch yourself grumbling and complaining? Maybe it's worse if you don't even catch yourself, if it's become habitual. Attitude is directly tied to your faith in God. If God is in control, and he is, if God loves me, and he does, he's going to walk me through this. I need to trust him. It's gonna affect your attitude, and you'll continue to do well in all of these challenges that you are experiencing. So I'm hoping you'll read the entire story, and I'm hoping that I won't just completely blow the story for you, but I am going to give you some continued pieces of it as we move to the kind of the clincher in chapter 50. There were two other stories that are dreams that encouraged Joseph during this time while he's in prison. It wasn't his dreams this time. It was the dream of the king's butler and the king's baker. And the king's butler and the king's baker, that would be the cupbearer to the pharaoh and the baker to the pharaoh. First, the 
cupbearer to the Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. I won't go into the details of the dream. Joseph simply said, this dream means this, you're going to be restored. Well, when the baker was encouraged by that, he decided to tell the story of his dream to Joseph. And Joseph interpreted that dream and said, your story, I'm sad to tell you, means that in this number of days, you're gonna lose your life. And he was not restored. But both of those dreams came true And he asked the cupbearer, please remember me when you're back with the king. He's still thinking about how he's going to be released, that somehow there's gonna be a breakthrough, and yet he's let down again. There's just a significant period of time where the cupbearer just doesn't remember. He's just so happy to be out, he just totally forgets to bring this up. And then eventually, when the time is right, he does Remember to tell the Pharaoh about a dream interpreter. And it's on the occasion when Pharaoh himself has some dreams. And these dreams need to be interpreted. And the cupbearer remembers. There was a guy that interpreted my dreams. It came correct. And another guy's dreams and it came correct. Maybe he can. And so Joseph is brought out of prison after all this long wait. Now the timing is right. He interprets the dreams Basically, uh, I want you to read the story if you haven't read it. There's gonna be seven years of famine, seven, seven years of plenty will come first, and he tells the Pharaoh, you're gonna have to prepare for the seven years of famine with the seven years of plenty, and you need to pick a wise manager to collect all of the goods so that you will survive the famine when that comes after seven years of plenty. Who better than you, the Pharaoh says. And now Joseph rises to that position of his dreams where he is elevated to the second in command in all of Egypt, the strongest, most powerful figure exalted to that position. And when famine hits, lo and behold, 10 of his brothers are sent to get food so that their family can survive. And they don't recognize Joseph, but he recognizes them. And interestingly enough, 10 doesn't match his dream. So he questions them about the 11th brother, his little brother, Benjamin. And they're so protective of Benjamin, but he works out a situation where he sends them home. I won't help you with any food until you bring Benjamin back. And he keeps Simeon in Egypt so that he can be sure they're gonna come back with Benjamin. Now this puts everything in a mess for these brothers to explain to their father who's now not gonna release the other son of his favorite wife and the story continues. And Joseph keeps with it, testing these brothers because they don't have any idea who he is. He's dressed like an Egyptian. He's changed his look. He speaks Egyptian. Everything is different about him, but he knows them precisely. Finally, the whole thing comes together after Joseph tests them and tricks them. I find it fascinating that Joseph puts gifts in each of the bags and blesses these brothers. When they left Simeon and they're going back for Benjamin, he puts nine packages of gold. All the payments were returned to them in their bags of food they're bringing back for their family. He blesses them, freaks them out because they think they're really in trouble. He blesses those who are cursing him. He blesses those who wanted to hurt him. And he's testing them. When they finally pass the test, 
that they are not treating Benjamin the way they treated him, that they have matured and grown. He reveals who he is before them. And there's just a, a monumental uh, reunion scene there. After Joseph's father dies in his old, old age, after being reunited, the brothers are scared that there's going to be retaliation. And that's where I'd like to finish today. The conclusion of this story is in Genesis 50, verse 20, where they are saying, our father said this, and they want protection uh, based on what their father says, and this is what Joseph replies. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. They intended to harm Joseph, but Joseph saw this as God's answer. Yes, they bowed to him. Yes, even his father and his mother-in-law bowed to him. Yes, he's been exalted as a king to them. All of these are true, but it was a greater purpose than his exaltation. The purpose was the saving of their family, the saving of Israel. Jacob's name, of course, had already been changed to Israel. They had become a nation. And it's all part of God's grand plan. There's a New Testament verse that Paul gives us that is just like this conclusion to Genesis. And Paul puts it in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even when people are attempting to harm you, even when evil comes your direction, even when you're in the middle of a pandemic and everything's going wrong, God can weave all of those even evil things, things done to harm you, things that are not good, and he can weave the things that are not good in such a way to bring about good for those who love him. This is not a truth for everyone. This is a truth for those who are faithful to God and love God and have been called by God through Jesus Christ for the purpose of expanding his mission. Those of us who are following Jesus can rest assured that this promise is good for us. So when you're having the next bad day or the next bad week or the next bad month, remember, God is working out all of these mysteries, not according to something you can understand, not according to your preferences, not according to what you like, not according to what makes sense to you, but according to his plan that's way beyond our capacity to imagine what he's doing. He's weaving it all together in such a way that it will be good for us and it will cause good for those around us. Only God can see into our future in that way and plan it out from the beginning. He has a story for you and it's a story that is a grand story and we can choose to follow him and love him and trust him and do right and walk in the steps of Jesus and he can work that story out that brings glory to his name. I'm excited about that for us as a church. I'm excited about the story that's coming our direction as we follow in God's plan and trust him through it even when we don't understand, even when it's not our preference, even when we don't like it, as we move forward following God's plan, he's gonna write a beautiful story for each one of us as individuals and for our community, and I'm excited about that, even though what we're going through is difficulty. Faithful follower, 
we were given clues as readers that God was still with us. It was harder for Joseph because he didn't have those clues in print. He was in the middle of the story, but he hung on. Each of us can look for clues as we're following Jesus. And as we look for those clues, he will show us. He is there with us. He will never abandon us. He will never leave or forsake us. He will give us favor in the middle of these difficult, hard circumstances. So let's finish with this focus. When today's darkness screams that tomorrow will be dark too. And isn't that how it goes? When we have a trauma and a tragedy, it just seems like it's ruined for days and days and tomorrow is not gonna be the same and it's gonna be darkness forever. My life is ruined. That's what darkness does in our swirling minds when it hits us today. When today's darkness screams that tomorrow will be dark too, trust the keeper of tomorrow. We cannot see tomorrow. We cannot see around the corner of today. But we have a God who sees tomorrow, who can tell us in advance if he wants to, he doesn't usually, that it's gonna be okay and it's gonna work out like this. But he is telling us the scheme of what it looks like for all of us who are followers of Jesus. Reach out, grab the hand of the keeper of tomorrow. He is bright and he will displace the darkness. Isn't that good news? Boy, that's an attitude changer as you focus on that good news in the difficulties that you face. And we have a lot of uncertainties ahead of us. Let's hang on to that good news. Hold the hand of God who's the keeper of tomorrow and let's walk with him with our heads held high that he's gonna take us through and it's gonna be good. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the faith of Joseph. We thank you for this magnificent uh, series of events that we can learn from and glean from. I pray that many who have heard this story will want to go back and read um, all of those chapters and dig in deeper and to see how that relates to their lives. Lord God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus, who, much like Joseph, was rejected by his own people, sold for pieces of silver, took the evil upon himself, but returned blessing for the cursing, returned forgiveness for the damage, and released us from our own darkness into a bright future and released resurrection power through his spirit as we enter into union with Jesus by faith. And I pray there'd be many who would want that faith to bring hope and joy to their lives today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. If that's you that I was praying for and you need hope today and you're struggling with the bad things that are taking place, reach out to somebody. Uh, ask them to pray for you. In our social media platforms, you can do that right now. If you uh, think of it later, call somebody, talk to somebody you know is walking with God. Initiate some conversations. Have them pray for you. God bless you. See you next week.